Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN. ESPN.com, Giants reporter. The off-season commences episode right here. Can we have a busier time of the year? Joe Judge fired. Dave Gettleman retired. GM search in progress. Head coaching search on the horizon. Let's go. So much to talk about. I mean, the end of the Giants season was a mess. And ultimately, that's what got Joe Judge fired because he was going to stay. The Giants wanted to keep Joe Judge. But things continued to go off the rails. There was the 11-minute ramble. I think I mentioned this last week. That 11-minute ramble in Washington, I got a text not long after that, a day or two after that, from somebody who said who, who was speaks to a lot of people in the organization, said he was safe. I can't say that anymore. Now he could be in trouble. And then the QB sneaks in the finale, even though it necessarily tactically wasn't probably the worst, wasn't even the wrong decision, but optically it was bad. And then so people who didn't see the first down pass when uh, Jake Fromm couldn't complete, you know, a two yard pass to fullback Eli Penny in the flat and threw it you know, three yards short of him, you say, oh, the Giants are giving up. Well, their best chance to win at that point is to win like 9-6 or something stupid like that anyway. But the problem lies in the fact that you're at the point where all you, you can't even function and go back and throw a pass like a normal NFL team. So then you become a joke. And when we become a punchline, it starts making its rounds. And from that point, uh, you know, ownership hears it. And once ownership hears, I say this all the time, coaches get fired when the fans and and the outside noise is so loud that ownership can't justify moving forward with the coach any longer. And that's kind of what happened here. Now, we'll get to John Mara's comments in a little bit. We have Mike Tannenbaum to talk about the GM search and the coaching search on the horizon. He has a little inside info kind of about how these things work. So I thought it's very interesting to talk to him. So we'll get to that in a few minutes. We'll get to John Mara's takeaways, and we'll finish up with Joe Judge here and then get into the GM search a little bit. But the Joe Judge thing, it had sort of reached a boiling point where ownership just thought, hey, we're hiring a new GM. We can't go forward. And now there's GM candidates who really don't want to, who wouldn't want to be paired with him. So in order to have an actual a clean process, a good process of hiring a general manager, which they even admitted they didn't do last time. I sit here and in my words, I'll tell you, it was a sham, an absolute sham when they hired Dave Gettleman. Everybody knows it. Everybody who stood there and watched that knows it was a sham. And because they're not aligned, that's part of the reason Joe Judge is gone, because they're not aligned now 
he wasn't aligned with the general manager. The Giants are then sitting there. Now they need a new general manager. Can they really force the coach onto the general manager? And they said, okay, we have to do this at the same time, which is the right way to do it. You have to align the two. And it made Joe Judge uh, sort of a victim of the situation here. Now, did he do plenty to hurt himself? Absolutely. But he got stuck with the worst general manager, one of the worst general managers of this generation. The results tell you that, right? And he wasn't aligned with him. So because of that, now two years later, he's kind of stuck in a hard rock between a, the Giants are stuck between a rock and a hard place. And they say, shoot, we now have to align them both. And who's, gets, who's the victim of that? It's the head coach. Like I said, Joe Judge did a lot, plenty to hurt himself. At the same time, I think the mob mentality part of it is an interesting thing going on here. And I understand it because people are just mad. They're mad with the Giants. They're mad at everything. But last year, 6-10, and 10, they're in it till the final week of the season. 6-10, and 10, not great. We know that. Not good, actually. We know that. But how many people that were sitting there at 6-10 and 10 were praising Joe Judge, and then all of a sudden, one year later in each season, that admittedly just fell apart. He's dealing with nothing at the end of the season. All of a sudden, just needed to cut his head off. We're done with him. A lot. A lot. And it's the mob mentality that the Giants fans have right now because they're sick of losing and they can't sit there and they don't want to sit there and don't want to be told to have patience, which is fair. Because how much longer do they have to wait for their team to get it right and win? And the only way to stop the mob mentality is one thing, is to win. So unless this next coach comes in and has success in basically two years, we're going to end up in a, probably a similar situation again. Unless you go like 8-8 eight eight or something, you at least be decent. But if you're bad and you lose, the mob mentality is going to get them again because the fan base is irate with this franchise and it starts at the top. It rots starting from the top at the head and that's John Mara and that's ownership. So with that being said, let's talk about John Mara. He had his, he, he had a Zoom press conference, okay? Wasn't carried live on any radio or TV. The Giants didn't want it there. Maybe because it was on Zoom and there could be uh, some difficulties. I mean, not every Zoom, trust me, has has run smoothly this year uh, in regards to people with internet problems. Maybe the questions could have gotten harsh. Who knows? But anyway, the Giants decided we're going to put this on delay at least. So maybe these things could be edited out. Who knows? Maybe somebody sneaks onto a Zoom. It's not out of the question. I know there are people that are trying to, that want to sneak onto these Zooms. Trust me. Fact. So anyway, John Maris speaks. And I got four main takeaways from what he said. Okay, number one is he's embarrassed. He said as much. He's never been this embarrassed with his franchise. And, and I believe him. Trust me, John Maris cares. That's not one thing I would say about the Giants organization. Oh, they're not trying to win. They don't care. No, they legit. John Mara legit cares. This is his primary job. This is his only real job to run the Giants. It's been his job most of his life to be involved in this organization. It's his pride and joy. It's his baby. Trust me. He cares. So I believe him on this. That's true. But we'll get to number four in a, in a minute. You'll see. This, this is part of the problem. Maybe he cares a little bit too much that he can't detach himself. Number two is they botched the GM search last time. I kind of mentioned this before. The word John Mara used was rushed. Made that mistake in the past. Yes. The last GM 
search was a sham. The Giants wanted to stay within their little family, in their little comfort zone. And what they do? They hired Dave Gettleman, who, by the way, was run out of Carolina, made a ton of enemies on the way. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. And by the way, Dave Gettleman made a Super Bowl, but he did it with what? The key players on that team, the pro- most of the, the building blocks on that team came from the previous GM. So if the Giants maybe did their research and looked hard enough, they would have realized that that wasn't the right choice. And to stay within the family would not, was not the right choice because it was time for change. No, they were reluctant to change because this organization, by the way, is consistently reluctant to change. Now they seem open to it. And like John Mara said, hey, he has to earn back the trust. Why am I going to sit here and 100% fully believe, oh, yeah, sure, the Giants are going to let the new GM come in, hire the, the, the new coach, which they say they will, right, and give him full control of that coaching search and full autonomy of the organization and the coach and the head coach are going to be able to run it until I see it, until I'm able to find out, I hear details about it. Sorry, I have reason to doubt that they're fully, truly open to 100% change. Now, last time they sat there and they sold us change, we all knew it was bogus. I mean, Dave Gettleman, for God's sakes, called uh, the analytics department the computer guys. Okay, how the heck am I supposed to take that seriously? As for Joe Judge, this is number three of the Mara takeaways. Judge was fired in large part because of this GM search. Because, like, granted, they weren't happy with what happened this season. It was a total mess. The Giants and Mara said they still believe that there's a good head coach in Joe Judge. He was a 38-year-old, first-time hire. They believe in him. uh, But everything that went on around him and with him and his words and the way he kind of imploded late in the season made it untenable to bring him back because they now have to go hire a general manager. And this is a quote from John Mara. We have to give that person the flexibility to bring in the head coach he wants, which is, a, which is encouraging. Encouraging. Now, again, I'll believe it when I see it because with the Giants right now, Worst team in the NFL tied with the Jets since 2017. Until I see it, I don't believe it. You going to see me picking them to have a winning record? Nah. Did it this year. How stupid do I look? Dumber than usual. And then question, and then takeaway number four. All in the family, right? Maybe a little too close to the situation. John Maris said, got very sensitive when questions started coming about his family and personnel. Chris was at the, you know, his brother was at the top of the list, who I mentioned earlier this year, is, you know, he's not making the big decisions, but he's still giving his input. He's still giving player input, especially on, in the college draft. He's sitting there in the general manager interview, their nephew, Tim McDonald. He's a co-director of player personnel. He's high up on the list in personnel as well, as well of the executives. Now, John Mara wants to pretend that They give their opinions and they're respected, which maybe they are respected. That's fine. Look, I only hear good things about Tim McDonald, for real. From people that have worked with him, from people around the league, I hear good things about Tim McDonald consistently. But to sit there and think that when they say something or they give their opinion and they feel strongly about something, that then wouldn't sway the potentially sway the general manager or head coach a little bit is asinine. Asinine. Tim McDonald, who's going to be running the team in 10 years, 
You think people, when he gives a strong opinion on something, it doesn't hold more clout than Mark Kahn's, who was, you know, another personnel director or whatever, some, some executive in personnel. I mean, come on. We have to be realistic about this here. And I'm not saying the Giants should fire or get rid of Chris Mara or Tim McDonald because, look, that's the benefit of owning a business. Almost every big business has relatives working and on the payroll. And that's fine. Totally fine with that. But when you're losing and you're losing to this degree, it's only fair to sit back and evaluate everything, to be just to be sensitive and, re- and reluctant to, to even basically say, I'm, oh, no, you know, Tim and, Tim and Chris, no, they're respected. We're not, well, what do you mean? What's wrong with them in their positions? Like to not even question that and their roles and their influence. Come on, John, come on. You're not being realistic here. You're not. As for the GM search, the names that I'm focusing on at this point that I probably heard the most about, and it doesn't mean they're going to get the job. Once you get in that interview room, I say this all the time, anybody can win the job in that interview room. Look at Joe Judge. Did anybody, anybody, not even people in the Giants organization would have guessed that Joe Judge was going to end up end up being their head coach? Like literally nobody in the Giants organization would have pegged that. But coming into the search, the names I've heard the most, I'll give you the three names I heard the most, another one that kind of really intrigues me, okay? You got Joe Shane, the Buffalo Bills assistant GM. Heard his interview. He impressed a lot of people in that interview. It occurred on Wednesday. Young, smart. I hear he's super smart, well-rounded. I mean, I've heard from people who worked with him in Miami and in Buffalo, and they've done nothing but say good things about Joe Shane and how smart he is. So he's a guy I'm looking at and saying, okay, this could be the next general manager of the Giants. I could see it. A guy whose name I heard weeks and weeks and weeks ago being discussed about within the Giants' walls is Kansas City Chiefs executive Ryan Poles. He interviewed on Thursday afternoon. Really young, progressive. I think if you, if Ryan Poles ends up being the general manager of the Giants, same with Joe Shane, and probably most of these guys that we're going to talk about, you're going to see major changes to the way this organization operates. And that's why the Giants, if you look at the candidates that they're interviewing, all of them really are coming from winning organizations, winning teams. The Ravens didn't make the playoffs this year, Joe Hortiz I'm talking about, but that's an organization that has done nothing but stable and win, especially in personnel. And so when these guys come in, Whoever the new GM is that gets hired is, you're going to see them implement and integrate an entirely new system of how things work. And it's going to be based off primarily probably wherever they're coming from to a degree. And it's going to involve merging the front office and the head and the coaching staff more than ever before. Because the Giants, they've always liked to keep church and state separated. Personnel is on one side. Coaching is on the other. John Mara is sort of the mediator. He mediates if there's any real differences in opinion between the two. You're not going to see that anymore, which might be good because it's going to, in a way, push out some of the ownership influence. Now, do things get need to be approved by ownership? Do they have input? Of course they do. Everywhere. Trust me, the Giants are not the only team with a lot of family involved. I believe the Chargers are one team 
that has a lot of family involved. Uh, Dallas is a team that obviously has family involved. So heavily involved, I'm talking about. There, there, trust me, there's more out there. I would have to do more research into figuring out exactly who, but trust me, there's more out there. So Ryan Poles is a name that sticks out to me. Joe Hortiz, he comes from the Baltimore Ravens organization. Been there forever. I believe 20 plus years. And if you know the way that they've operated over there, they're considered one of the, and I know the Giants have been sort of infatuated with the way that that organization has been consistently good and operated. So to me, that makes Hortiz extremely interesting, interesting uh, candidate. And the fourth guy that I haven't heard anything specifically about. So the first three, I've heard their names from people inside the organization. So to me, I'm looking at them near the top of the list. And the fourth is Adam Peters, just because you're talking about a guy who went in and was essentially John Lynch's right-hand man. And John Lynch, remember, no personnel background. And Denver, who w- was very well-respected and had a lot of success at the time, let Adam Peters go to San Francisco. So this is a guy who's had a ton of success, Super Bowl-style success, in organizations that have been consistently good. And look at the players that they've acquired in San Francisco since Adam Peters has been there. Now, we don't know. We never know who to attribute, to give credit for players. But Adam Peters is a name that intrigues me. Now, leadership and other uh, characteristics are kind of essential. It's not just personnel. I don't think people should be too overly caught up in personnel when it comes to these guys. Because we don't know who's really, you know, fighting for certain players and who picked who. You really never know that. Leadership. uh, Mike Tannenbaum is going to fill us in in one minute. But first, let me just say one more thing before we get out of here. I didn't add this on Joe Judge. I want to say this because Joe Judge is going out and everybody's, you know, calling him a clown and wants him out. They're taking pictures of his house, TMZ. And I want to say this about him. I have never been part of a NFL situation, an individual, where I think the public perception and reality are of, of what the, that individual is like is so far apart. Joe Judge, from what I've gotten to know, my our my relationship with him is honest, straight up, like good, good dude. Okay, this is my personal uh, interactions with him, and what I see. Super smart. You know, to think this guy's a buffoon, like you're you're kidding yourself. I'm telling you, he's super smart and sharp, and you can tell I'm telling you. In the middle of press conferences, he's able to think on his feet answer super quick. His mind, his brain is working super fast. And if you're part of his inner circle and you're one of those people that he likes, you can I can tell. Like he will go to the mat for you. You know, he's not going to lay you out. And he had plenty of opportunities this year. Think about it. He never laid any player out or said put any, you know put any player out there or left them out cold in the press. Even Isaiah Wilson who was falling asleep in meetings. Joe Judge took the, 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 the high road with that. He refused to dole out any of his players. Think he couldn't have dished on Saquon Barkley playing poorly at any point? You think he, he couldn't have said something about Mike Glennon or Jake Fromm? He did his best to protect every one of those players publicly. And he has a, a close stable of assistants. Again, super close with them. So I think the public perception versus reality on who Joe Judge is as a person Maybe he's not a good football, good head football coach. Maybe he was over his head. I am certainly not going to argue those two right now. Because it didn't turn out well for him. But 
the idea that he has no chance to be a coach again, that he's a bumbling fool, that he's a clown. I know you see all these these clowns on uh, social media. I think I think you're way off with that. Way off. Did he make mistakes? Absolutely. I don't think he intended to, uh, you know, crap on the Washington football team. But he got caught up in the, in the heat of the moment, and he did. And he did. And he paid the price for it. That that played a large part in him losing his job. But the idea that this guy's a clown and a bumbling fool, I'm sorry. I think the public perception versus reality on this one is more off than I've ever seen of a player or a coach. And with that, let's move on to talk to Mike Tannenbaum. On to the next one. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. All right, let's bring in Mike Tannenbaum, our resident ESPN general manager, uh, to give us a little insight on you know, what a general manager search might be like and uh, the overall state of the Giants. Mike, welcome. Thanks for, thanks for coming on again. Great, Jordan. Really appreciate you having me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know what it's like to be a general manager in this league. You know what it's like to sit there in these general manager interviews that the Giants are doing right now. Give us a little insight. I want to know, what is a, what, what is a general manager interview like? Well, it's interesting. You know, I've been a GM. I've interviewed GMs. And the really, the gist of it is you're hiring somebody who is – obviously hugely consequentially important, but also they're not only your CEO, but they also have to have the ability to hire somebody that's even more important than them in a head coach. So you're looking for skills like organization, vision, leadership, but you're also looking for somebody that could be a servant and a great sort of partner to whomever the head coach is going to be. And the process to me is one in which you want to put them in behavioral-based interviews, you, questions. You want to put them in situations. Like one of the questions I would ask candidate Jordan would be, and to be candid, I've used a number of like performance psychologists, sports psychologists to help me formulate my approach. But one of the big questions I would ask a GM or a head coach is, tell me a time you've walked into a meeting and somebody was able to change your mind and, and what happened and why. Because the ability to have flexibility and to be a great listener is so consequential that if you don't have the ability to run a draft meeting and to walk in and say, boy, I really want to draft Jordan over Alex. Mm -hmm. And then the young West Coast area scout has great information about Alex and they change your mind. So you get the best decision, not the loudest decision. 
is so important to the health and the and ultimately the performance of your franchise. Those sort of questions are so important. One thing you didn't say, and this is why I'm curious where where it comes in. You didn't say, you know, their talent evaluation ability. And I know that's well, a really subjective thing. It's really hard to figure out, right? I mean, you don't know who's who's the one that's actually evaluating. There's a lot of people in an organization. So where, did, yeah. where does that come in? And how do you how do you sort of measure that? Yeah, and, and that's a huge part of it. And, you know, I was fortunate to get, you know, a couple of positions based on, I had a track record of, of, of guys that I signed off on, like, you know, sort of like amplified. Right. But it's really more about the process. And what I mean by that is you need somebody who's a great talent evaluator, but I'm much more interested in somebody that can run the process because it's not about, hey, should we draft Josh Allen or, or Daniel Jones or should we take Saquon Barkley second? It's much more about this is a year-round process that we're going to spend millions of dollars. You're developing your staff. You're It's a, almost a different job than being – a talent evaluator from a standpoint is you're scaling leadership. So I want to hear about your process. Tell me about your draft meetings. Who's in the room? What's the format? Who's driving it? Can people, are they comfortable having disparate opinions? Um, those are much more important because if you're doing this for the next 10, 20 years, that's what's going to give you sustainable, um, a sustainable organization. And I can tell you firsthand, I work for Coach Parcells. I work for Bill Belichick twice. As tough as they are, and they were tough, when I was 25, 26 years old, my opinion was valued. Now, you don't think I had to walk into those meetings airtight, good reports, good information about salary cap or a player? You bet, Jordan. I was nervous as heck. But they created an environment that if you were in that meeting room, your opinion was valued. You had to answer questions. And I'm much more interested in that than somebody that just went into old Miss and gave a first round pick, you know, to a tackle. Right. How did you know your opinion was uh, valued? Like, what, what was the, what was the, what were the keys to you that, that told you that hey, they were listening? You know, it wasn't just, okay, we, we, you know, take it and absorb it and then just throw it out the window kind of deal. Yeah. A couple of things. One, there would be repeated follow up detailed questions, like with incredible attention to detail of why you like a player, what their background is, why should we sign this player? Um, what games did you watch? Like it was no stone was ever left unturned. And then I could tell you that when there were small victories, they were celebrated and you felt like a million dollars. And then the next minute, I mean, there was times, Jordan, I would walk into Coach Parcell's office at 5.15 in the morning because he was there at 5.20 with a note on his desk apologizing for a mistake. Like he would bring you to your knees, knees in tears. And then 24 hours later, you felt like you were going to run a franchise tomorrow because you were so smart because he would praise you. So um, there was no doubt that your opinion was valued. And if it wasn't well thought out and if it wasn't well researched, you weren't going to be in that room very often. So to me, I know from a fan perspective, you're going to say, well, okay, hey, who did this guy like or how good was his draft? And obviously that's part of the discussion. Mm -hmm. But when you're sitting at the top of the food chain, scaling leadership, holding people accountable, developing them, feeling like it's a great place to come to work and they have a chance to meaningfully impact, uh, improve their career is so much more important. So let's apply that kind of to the Giants job here for a second, right? You see the position they're in. Uh, they need a head coach. They need a new general manager. They have have the worst record in the league over the last five years as a franchise. They have a setup where 
you know, it was talked about yesterday, but there are ownership in personnel. That's they're not the only one in the league that has that. What do you look at as, okay, if I'm hiring somebody for the giants as a general manager, what, what are the top priorities for you there? Somebody that has great football acumen is a great leader and has tremendous mental toughness and resiliency. And I will tell you this, Jordan, and I am a hundred percent on the record with this. Hold me accountable to the statement. The New York giants should win a lot of games immediately in, in 2022 and compete for the playoffs. If not this year, next year. And I will give you, Look at a you. great, I'll give you a great history lesson. The, the 1996 New York Jets will set a record that no Amer- North American team sport will ever accomplish. The 96 Jets spent the most money in the NFL and won one game. And in 1997, right. Bill, Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick went to the Jets, hired a whole bunch of people, myself included. We won nine games, and the next year we were in the championship game. And I learned firsthand that it's about the right people, and it's about coaching and leadership. When Andy Reid went to Philadelphia, they knew they struck gold. And when he went to Kansas City, they got Alex Smith. They went to the playoffs. They got Patrick Mahomes. They're competing for championships. I knew we had a great coach in Rex Ryan when he walked off the field in training camp and said, I got to go call Eric Mangini because Eric Mangini did a heck of a job here. There's a great foundation. And with a rookie quarterback in 2009, we went to the championship game. So you get the right coach who doesn't make excuses, who doesn't blame anybody else, who has great leadership, great ability to inspire and develop others. There's enough good young pieces on that team that they should win games, a lot of game this year, compete for the playoffs, the latest next year. So you think that the foundation has been laid there? Yeah. Sort of like, and Joe I know Judge, how- sort of like Joe Judge was actually saying, right? Yeah, absolutely. Hey. And maybe Joe had the right message in sort of like the 11 minute speech obviously did not help him. But I think no, what he not. was intending to say made a lot of sense, Jordan. And if they get the right coach, who's not going to talk about the prior regime, who's not going to say it's, this is a massive rebuild or we're building up cap space because cap space doesn't win championships. People, players, great coaching does. They could be meaningfully competitive ASAP. And you look at the history of our league from the Andy Reeds, Bill Belichick won a Super Bowl in year two in New England. The turnarounds are quick and they're impactful when you have the right coach. So, I mean, my, the next question I have here is what do you make of the Giants job? I kind of I kind of get the, the vibe that you like the Giants job after what you just said there. Yeah. You know, what's really sad is like I remember having meetings with the New York Giants when I was at the Jets about, all right, well, if we both have home championship games, do you guys go Sunday? Do we go Monday night? Like it's the New York Giants. Like Jordan, they're right. a great franchise, and it's sad to see where they are. And I do think it's a quick turnaround, and I think they should have their absolute pick of the best coaches and GM candidates out there because it's the New York Giants. Right. So let's 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 go to that for a second. Uh, you mentioned you know the coaching side of it. Let let's let's go for a second and say. If if you're the GM there and you're hiring a coach, who do you look around the league and see as, okay, this guy is a guy I need to talk to? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a couple of names because I will tell you this, Jordan, I was the assistant GM of the New York Jets for five years. When I became the GM, it took me about 18 months for the day to slow down. These are really, really hard jobs. And I will tell you, I made a ton of mistakes 
my first year and a half on the job. Now, fortunately, we were winning a lot of games and went to the playoffs, and I survived my mistakes. My point is, I still don't understand, if I owned a team, how incredibly important experience is. And I think you're probably a lot better at your job today than you were when you first got there. So why not benefit Absolutely. from other people's? I fired you know, Tom Coughlin in my first year and realized, and then he was back the next year. I realized that, hey, maybe I shouldn't do that again. <laughs> yeah, right. And Jordan, so I'm looking at Dan Quinn, Vance Joseph, Todd Bowles, Doug Peterson. Like those guys have been successful to varying degrees. Some have been through Super Bowl, some have won a Super Bowl. I will, someone's going to have to tell me why you're not talking to Dan Quinn, Vance Joseph, who's done a great job, Todd Bowles, who did a much better job than people realize, the Jim Caldwells of the world, Doug Pearson won a Super Bowl. Someone's going to have to tell me why you're not talking to those guys over some young coach who may be a great red zone scheme diagrammer or some guy that could draw up a blitz but has no idea what it's like to actually be a CEO especially in New York, when you're the head coach of the New York Giants, if you don't have rare mental toughness, they're going to have, you know, their fifth coach in eight years. Like if you don't have a rare human being that's done it, that's been battle tested, you're going to get the same result. And that's why their process to me, Jordan, is so important. You need to ask questions that reveals people's ability to lead, to manage, to hold people accountable. And if you don't have that, you have no chance. So let me play devil's advocate for a second then, right? You're you're mentioning all coaches who have experience. How do you get, how would you get experience? And how would you then, you know, how would the next, I'm using, for example, uh, Sean McVay, if if you're not willing to take the opportunity and you're saying, okay, I I want to look at guys mostly with experience. Yeah. And I will tell you that Sean McVay is way better today than he was when he first got there. And I would push back on you on that, Jordan, and say, like, maybe Atlanta didn't make the right decision letting Dan Quinn go. Maybe Philly didn't make the right decision to let Doug Pierce go. Right. Has has Detroit been better since Jim Caldwell's left that building? So you're you're presupposing that the reason those gentlemen, um, you know, like the decision to let those play those coaches go was the right one. And I would challenge that assumption. Right. Okay. How much you think has changed in what teams look for now than maybe 10 years ago? I mean, there's obviously, uh, I think a more analytical approach, a progressive approach that did more, more data information available, maybe, maybe than there was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I think that, uh, Tony Dungy said something really, really interesting that I thought had like tremendous wisdom, Jordan. He he said, you know, there's more technology now than there's ever been. And yet coaches, and I'm stereotyping here, and this was Coach Dungy's observation, which I totally agree with. He's like, coaches work as hard, if not harder than they ever have. We have more technology and yet players are still players. They can only consume, you know, as much information as possible. So, My point is this, like, I think, you know, let me give you a great antidote. Like coaching to me is getting the most out of everybody on your roster. There was a player on the Jets. His name was Ahmed Carroll, Batman. He was a former first round pick of the Green Bay Packers. He was a corner from Arkansas who was really like a bust. And we got him at the Jets and he was a backup special teams player. 
And one of the reasons he wasn't very good, Jordan, was he had a lot of pass interference calls. Mm-hmm. But one thing that Rex saw was he was a great blitzer. So he had this like Batman package. And I'm like, are you ever going to call that in the game? He's like, you know, I'm not sure if we are, but you know what? If a Meg Carroll knows that he has a blitz package, we're going to get unbelievable practice out of our 50th player. He's going to give us everything he's got. And that's great coaching. That's how you build a culture and a community. And a lot of people don't know this about Nick Saban. Nick Saban spends a lot of his time coaching his team, investing in his players, like getting to know his players in a very meaningful way. That, like, I don't know if you saw this the other night, but when Jamison Williams got hurt, mm-hmm. John Mechie went into the locker room to check I on his that. teammate. Yeah. You know why that you know why that happens? Because Nick Saban has created an, a culture in this day and age of Instagram and TikTok and being selfish, Jordan, in a way that he wants John Mechie to crush it and make as much money as possible. But John Mech, he's created an environment where John Mechie's in the locker room with his teammate instead of on the field. And the reason is he's invested a lot of time in getting to know his players in a very meaningful way. You could tell that because it's really – I mean, Nick Saban's in a spot where, you know, not everyone's going to play for him. And not – you know, even guys that go there, they're not – some guys aren't going to get the, the playing time maybe they want. Somehow Nick Saban is able to balance it where you can't find a player that has played for Nick Saban that doesn't like Nick Saban. It's, and to be able to do that, it's a huge roster in college. Is re- you must be really good at human personal relationships. You know, and Jordan, I'll take it a step further. I've had the great privilege of going to see him at Alabama and sitting in on his staff meetings. There must be, and I'm making up the number now, in any one of those meetings, six to 10 former Alabama players that right. may want to get into coaching, may want to get into scouting. And like, I, I, it was so meaningful to me to see him do that. Like, I, I was so blown away that far away from anybody in the media, far away from anybody you know, again, on social media, but those are meaningful relationships. And for all the great players he gets there, a lot of them never going to be NFL players, but why is he one every year? Because John Mechie cares about Jamison Williams. That's why. Or these guys that go to the staff meetings years after they're done, that's why Nick Saban's successful. And that's what the Giants need. They need somebody who isn't an excuse maker, who cares deeply about his players, that's going to build a culture that's sustainable. How important is it for the Giants as an organization to let that GM come in, the new head coach that you're talking about, and have ownership sort of take a step back in a way? I mean, that's a big topic there. You know, there's family in in the front office. John Mara is is obviously very involved in the day-to-day. How important is that? And I'm sure you've dealt with this in Miami, in the Jets, of letting the football people run the football and the ownership take care of the business. Yeah. You know, I'm probably gonna give you a different answer than everybody else, Jordan, but like, I'll just be candid. Like when I was at the jets and the dolphins, like I was like the exact opposite. Like I was really selfish. All I wanted to do was get it right. So my, my door was always open. Come on in. You guys got ideas. Let's go. Like all I want to do is win. Like there's a great expression. We're all robbing the same train. So we're going to work our asses off. You know, I had two signs up that I always cared about. Every rock, every day, we're going to be systematic, relentless to improve this roster from the top down or the bottom up. We may go try to sign a kid from Canada today. We may try to trade for Brett Favre, but we're going to work our asses off. And then the other one is 
in God we trust, for everybody else we need data. We are going to make sure that we are process-driven and we are going to get as much good, actionable information. So if it's Chris Mara, John Mara, Mrs. Mara, I don't care. Come on in. Like, we're just trying to win. And we're going to have a great process that's transparent. And if you could help us get one inch better, come on in. If we're going to try to sign a kid from BC and you're a big donor at BC, you call the BC athletic trainer. And I want to know what kind of you know football character this guy has. So I think right. that is a real positive. Like, we have nothing to hide, but just hold me accountable for the results. Like, let me make the decisions. When we win, it's going to be great here. If it's not, you don't have to have the hard conversation. I'm going to be leaving on my own. So my record will ultimately judge me. But if you could help bring in the resources, let's go. All right. So you'll have firsthand experience of this. Does it not put more pressure on you? Or I, I don't know about if pressure is the right word. But when the owner comes in and makes a suggestion, does it not hold more weight? And maybe, yeah. you know, sort of like a guilt thing if you decide to, to not take his advice on something? Yeah, and, and I had hard conversations with Steve Ross, with Woody Johnson. And you got to understand in this day and age, Jordan, the popularity of our sport, especially in New York, like they're not, not going to have suggestions. Like they love their teams, the Jets, the Giants, the Dolphins in my situation. They're going to have ideas. And you have to be, Jordan, you have a boss. And if your boss says, hey, I think you should write a story on, you know, all the blown draft choices that Mike Tannenbaum has, like, you're going to usually write that story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot there, but the point is, if no. you don't want to write that story, you could say in a way that's, you know, respectful. And if John Mayer walks in and says, Hey, I think this quarterback at BC is really interesting. And you come back and say, well, I watched four games on him. We call the academic advisor. He's really a jackass. We're not going to sign him because he's inaccurate and he's an asshole. Like that's okay. But you can't not at least, you know, do the due diligence and go through the process. And I want every idea because we're just trying to win. And if they have an idea, great. If I don't act on it, you're going to hold me accountable. You know, this is the old Bill Belichick. Like if I'm 14 and two and a jackass, I'm not going anywhere. If I'm one in 15 and mother Teresa, I'm going to get fired anyway. So just hold me accountable by my record. Right. And it's a good point because when it's true in probably all jobs and you know, you push back on your boss when you feel you need to. And like, that's, you know, it's your, you have to kind of walk that fine line. It's your decision of when, when you want to do it and when you feel you need to do it. So I guess that, that applies to football and uh, you know, dealing Life. with ownership as well. Yeah. 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 I mean, look, I've been at ESPN. They've been great. You know, there's sometimes they've asked me to do things that, you know, I may disagree with. And, you know, I've been in TV now for 10 minutes, so I'm an expert. Right. So, <laughs> and, it's so important, Jordan, like that, it, but it's like anything else. And I felt like the guy that to me really, it's an art form, but like Dan Quinn, I saw it with Rex, like Rex had tremendous equity in relationships. So he could say really hard things to his players. Mm -hmm. And that's like the same thing. Like the GM needs to say to John Mara, like, I really am fortunate to have this job and you believe in me and we're not going to do this for whatever reason. And I know John Mara well enough. Like he's not an unreasonable guy. Now, if you if you don't want to act on his suggestion, or if his brother Chris says something, and you're going to hold me accountable, like I'm going to listen, but I'm going to do what I think is best because I'm going to pay the ultimate price that you're not. Um, but there's a way you can say that that doesn't fracture the relationship. Yeah, it makes you realize how 
good a job Jerry Reese did to bridge all that for a long period of time and help the Giants get a couple championships. Ernie, of course, he as well. I shouldn't leave him out. Also, Mike Tannenbaum dropping uh, wisdom on us that I did not expect to hear, and the prediction that next year, look out for the Giants. Fans, fans are going to like that one, Mike. They'll jump on board. Well. It's just the truth. They have some really meaningful pieces. And if they get they help average, gotta stay healthy. Yeah. yeah but I mean. you know, but but you know, Jordan, if they just get average and consistent play at quarterback, they'll be in every game and they gotta make changes like every other team. Yeah. And to me, that starts on the offensive and defensive line. line. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But but Jordan, the cupboard is not bare. And you know, they said about Andy Reid, they knew Andy Reid was gonna be special when he never once talked about excuses or the past or this or that, he was so confident in his approach that he was always talking about how and why they were going to be successful. And that's all he was fixated on. And the day he walked in the building, they knew they struck gold. Well, we will see. Uh, the law of averages says it's about time for the giants to have some good seasons. So hopefully we get there. Mike Tannenbaum, appreciate your time again. Thanks, Jordan. Really appreciate it. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, we'll wrap up here with a quick Jordan on the beat and then we'll get out of here. Uh, we'll try and do, this because it's a long episode, we'll try and do another episode early next week because a lot's going to be going on with this general manager search and then into the head coaching search. So we'll try and pump out uh, little uh, episodes with a little more frequency going forward here. So uh, with that being said, Jordan on a beat, this is the portion of the podcast where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants, to cover the ESPN or cover the NFL in general. I think I said cover the ESPN. I meant work for ESPN or cover the NFL in general. So let me tell you how these kind of things go down. So I'm getting ready. My daughter needs indoor soccer shoes. My wife is is working and I'm about to go to Dick's. Okay. So I get the two-year-old ready. You know, I get the shoes, the jackets on. My daughter's ready. We literally, I literally have my jacket on. I swear, right before I get to the garage, right? The door to, to open into the garage, I get a text. He was, he's, I forget the exact term it said, but basically it said, He's out, meaning judge is out, somebody. And I was like, oh, shoot. I, my, I, I grabbed my, I, I yelled to my wife. I said, yo, I, I look, I need you. I got to go. I start calling people, you know, who trying to get, because look, that's such a big story. I, 
I can't feel comfortable going off that from one person unless it's Joe Judge himself or John Mara. It's not Joe Judge and John Mara who are texting me at that point. And by the way, uh, they're really never texting me at any point. But uh, So I'm going and I'm saying to myself, oh God, he's fired. So I'm calling my you know people I work with. I'm like, let's get this confirmed by a second person. I'm calling other people I know who, who are in that loop or in that circle, you know, texting them real quick, seeing if I can confirm it. And I'm literally, I have my winter jacket on. I'm standing in my hallway. My kids are ready to walk out the door. I'm like, look, we can't go to Dick's. We'll have to do it another time. I finally get a second person to say, yep, I just got, uh, just got told he's out. Then we go. I have to file to our news desk, then go to Twitter and get it out as quickly as possible. Now, I had it, like I had the tweet set up. But still, in, in the, the way these things work is I work for ESPN. So my job is not to get it out on Twitter first. It's to get it out to the news desk first. So I have to get out to the news desk, then to Twitter. Boom. Everything, you know, head starts exploding. Knight gets thrown for a loop. Poor daughter doesn't get the indoor soccer sneakers on, what was it, Tuesday night, which we were hoping to. Went again on Wednesday. They didn't have anything in stock anyway. So we had an order online. If anybody cares, which I really doubt you do. But anyway, that's the conclusion of the story. So this is sort of how the sausage is made, the behind the scenes uh, of of how news gets broken and how you have to uh, go about uh, confirm for me confirming this is you know some people maybe they would have went off the first one because look that guy wasn't the, who sent me the first text was not going to lie right he wasn't going to lie but but but. You just want that second person when it's something this big because you cannot be wrong. If I'm wrong on this, something I'll never live down professionally, right? Like if I get that wrong and say Joe Judge is fired when he's not, you can never be wrong on that. You can never take the chance of being wrong on that. That's a career killer. So with that being said, that's the end of this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, you can find me Instagram. You're probably better than Twitter. Uh, Twitter, Facebook. Not that reliable on Facebook. TikTok, where email, email, definitely a good one. You can find me there. Send me questions because I'm going to do your best. I know everyone has a lot of questions right now. I'm going to do my best to answer them over the next few weeks. Like, subscribe, tell your friends. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. See you next time. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.